Well, um, there's no easy way to say this this morning, but as I stand up here this morning, I am six months away from turning 50. 50, you guys! And I have a goal over the next six months not to look 50 as I turn 50. You know what I'm saying? You know that goal? So I have put myself on kind of a nutrition plan and an exercise plan, trying to get ready for that big day. Um, so I, I have to exercise, which is not really a problem most of the time, and eat healthy, which is not a problem right now because there are so many healthy food options out there. Um, have you guys seen some of these? Like, there is now something called protein peanut butter, peanut butter packed with protein. Bulletproof coffee. How many of you know what bulletproof coffee is? Not many. Okay, well, they put this really cool thing called MCT oil in the coffee, and it helps your actual brain function. There are things called protein chips now. And so I registered for a nutrition plan, fully expecting that some of these healthy snack options would be on this plan. And the minute I saw my nutrition plan, I knew there was going to be a problem because there are two things on it that do not jive with me. And I want to tell you what they are. The first one cottage cheese okay can we talk about cottage cheese for a second can we this is not really cheese nor is it a snack when i think of cheese cheese is a really good gruyere or a great creamy brie or a nutty parmigiano reggiano okay um and let me just say that i don't have a cottage up in lake tahoe or anything but if i did i would not be eating cottage cheese there okay the reason that cottage cheese is not a winner for me is because it is so bland, bland, vomit-looking curdles, right? <laughs> that you, when you eat and you have to choke it down, you usually have to add something to it in order to be able to swallow it. Like, I got to put a ton of salt and pepper on it. I know people put things like uh, pineapple or blueberries on it. I did find one thing that actually works. If you use it as a dip for barbecue chips, it actually works but defeats the purpose, okay? So no on the cottage cheese, hard no. The other item on my food list that is also a hard no for me is rice cakes. Um, I am not sure who ever decided that this should be a snack. It's like someone took a cookie cutter and just cut a piece, a cookie-shaped piece out of styrofoam and tried to pass it off as a snack. But this is not a snack for me, especially if you put cottage cheese on it, you guys. It doesn't work. Also not a snack. Um, when I think snack, I think charcuterie board, right? I think nachos, or I think wings. Um, when I think of snacks, I don't think of rice cakes. This is probably the most bland, boring thing you could eat, even if you do put good stuff on it, like peanut butter or hummus. It's beyond bland, you guys. There's the beyond burger. This is the beyond bland. It's, it, does, it doesn't matter what you put on it. The bland overwhelms any of the good stuff that you put, it, put on it. And so to get my point across this morning about bland, I actually wanted you to experience it. I wanted you to taste something bland. But rather than go out, you guys know where I'm going with this, don't you? Rather than go out and buy a bunch of rice cakes, we actually have something bland that you are already maybe familiar with eating. And what is it? It is a communion wafer, okay? You guys, have you ever noticed that rice cakes and communion wafers taste exactly the same? They're flavorless. They have absolutely no flavor. And I get why communion wafers are flavorless. I really get it. 
in this sacred act that we do, we, it, this communion wafer represents the body of Christ. So you don't want the flavor of it taking away from your experience of communion. And so I guess you really wouldn't want a communion wafer to taste like garlic bread. Or would you? Or would you? <laughs> garlic bread can represent the body of Christ. Jesus wasn't boring or bland. Jesus was zesty, right? He was, he was zesty. And so when you came in this morning, you received a communion wafer. And I want you to pretend that this is your pseudo rice cake, okay? And we're going to experience beyond bland. Now, you don't have to do this if you've got a gluten situation going on, but if you're willing to experiment with me this morning, take out your communion wafer right now, start to chew on it, and experience beyond bland, okay? <laughs> good, is it good, yummy? A little guac on that would work. <laughs> How many of you really enjoy? I'm not trying to be irreverent this morning. I just want you pretend it's not a communion wafer, okay? But how many of you really enjoy what you're eating right now? Raise your hand. How many of you really do wish that thing tasted like garlic bread right about now? Yeah, okay. Well, I bring up bland food this morning because honestly, bland food makes me think about a bland life. And I think that many of us go through seasons where we feel like our lives just kind of seem super boring and maybe even flavorless. And let me explain what I mean. When I say that our lives feel flavorless and, and like there's nothing fun going on, it's not because we're not doing fun things. We've got adventure in our life, right? We, are, um, we can celebrate a Giants game. Or we're going on vacations again, right? We have fun things that we insert into our life all the time. And when I say bland or boring, I'm not saying that we don't have drama or serious things happening in our life because I'm sure all of us here today have some kind of drama that's kind of creeping up um, in our life. So I'm not saying that there's no drama. When I say bland life, I mean that even with the fun and even with some of the drama we have, there's still this gnawing feeling that our life is just a rice cake, that it lacks some risk or maybe some adventure, or maybe you would even say, you know what, my life lacks big flavor. And, and lots of people try and deal with it, this in lots of different ways. Um, in fact, there was a show on MTV about 10 years ago that was called The Buried Life. Did anyone watch The Buried Life? Anyone familiar with this show? Okay, the idea was that these four Canadian guys would drive around North America in a van. And they actually put together this list of 100 things that they wanted to do before they die. And so they did a bunch of things like um, they helped deliver a baby. They actually helped deliver a baby. They helped capture a fugitive. Um, and one of them even asked out Taylor Swift. That was on his list, okay? <laughs> and so their idea was our lives are buried, so let's do something to resurrect them. And the way they tried to do this was by crossing those things off their list. And while this show was fun to watch, as most reality TV is very fun to watch, what it was saying was let's keep doing crazy things because as we do them, we'll be distracted from how buried our lives actually feel. And whether we know it or not, every single one of us tries to distract ourselves 
from the bland that we often feel. And we do it in a lot of different ways. For some people, it is extreme sports. I will literally bring physical, physical risk and danger to my life to get that adrenaline high. Because when I'm high up here, I don't have to experience the bland that's down here. For some people, it's entertainment. I'm going to fill every waking moment with um, an amusement park or a new movie release or every concert tour that comes to town because if I can constantly keep myself entertained, I don't have to worry about this bland, flavorless thing that is bubbling up in my life. I think for many of us, it's technology, right? The new gadget or the new phone, the new accessory that goes with the new gadget or the new phone. And sometimes it's not even about getting the new thing, it's just the anticipation that new thing is gonna drop next week. And just that excitement keeps the bland from bubbling up. And for some of us, it's our family. I know this is it for me. Like it's our spouse or our kids. Um, our lives are about them. And if I can make sure they're not having a bland life, then I am okay. As long as I am busy doing something for them, then I'm distracted from that thing that's feeling very flavorless inside of me. Well, let me be really clear this morning. I think everything I just listed is okay to do. Those are not bad things. When we let those things just kind of enter into our life to spice it up a little bit, um, it's not a bad thing. But what I'm saying is, when those things start to back off, and there's nothing new on the horizon for a while, and you allow yourself just to kind of sit in the quiet, and you um, allow yourself to let your guard down, in that moment, you begin to realize that your life starts to feel a little bit like a rice cake, like a rice cake. And that points to something. And here's what I want you to see this morning. In your quiet moments, when life feels really bland, it usually means that there is something going on spiritually with you, between you and God. There is something happening in your connection between you and God, and it is something that you need to address in your spiritual life. Because the truth is, you guys, God's not bland, is he? He is incredibly flavorful. What I say earlier, Jesus is zesty. He is a zesty God. And this big, zesty, big flavor God wants to give you a big, zesty, big flavor life. Look at John 10.10 10 this morning. Look at what Jesus says he came to give you. It says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life more and better life than they ever dreamed of. But I'm telling you very often, this is not what we experience sometimes, right? Sometimes our experience of God and the way that we interact with him can leave our lives feeling lacking. And it's anything but the better in this passage. Well, this series that we're about to enter into, that we're starting today, is hopefully going to remedy some of that for you. Because over the next several weeks, we want to dare you to take some risks in your spiritual life. And we want to challenge you to add flavor and spice and zest back into your spiritual life and back into your communication with God. And that challenge is going to come in the form of a dare about prayer. A dare about prayer, okay? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to show you two kinds of prayers that we are normally taught to pray, and then I want to put forth a challenge to you about those two kinds of prayers, okay? Here we go. We are going to look at a passage today in Mark chapter 1, um, and in this passage, you guys, Jesus has just had 
a day. He has had a day. If you or I were to have a day like this, we would be totally laid out flat the next day. It would be a legit sick day, okay? So Jesus has these followers called disciples. And one day, uh, the mother-in-law of one of the disciples gets sick. And so Jesus says, okay, I'm going to go to her house. And he does go to her house, and he heals her. Well, while they're there, they all decide, you know what, we're not going to go back to the town. We're just going to, we're going to stay at her house, and we're going to spend the night. But when people find out he has healed her, they start showing up at this house, bringing every sick person they could find. And just so you know that I'm not exaggerating, look at Mark chapter 1, verse 32. It says, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed the whole town gathered at the door, okay? And uh, just so you know what it means when it says whole town right there, the town that they were in was a town called Capernaum. It was about 1,500 people, so kind of a small town. Now, it's not, it's new to not too far-fetched to think that in a town of 1,500 people that word can spread really, really fast, right? And so all of these 1,500 people bring all the sick people that they can, and they start to descend upon this house where Jesus is staying. Okay, look at verse 34. It says, And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. And so in addition to healing diseases, he was driving out demons. And you know what, Crosswinds, this would have been chaos. Have you ever seen The Exorcist? Right? This was a crazy, exhausting night for Jesus. This would have been nuts. This was not a bland day for him. This was a zesty day. Okay? This is a zesty day. So in this next part, this is what I really want you to see, what happens next. Verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he what? He prayed. He prayed. And in all of my time as a pastor, one of the truths about God that I love to share is that when things got crazy for Jesus, when things just went nuts and got chaotic, even Jesus knew that it was important to carve out the time and go find a place of peace and rest with God through prayer. Through prayer. And even Jesus knew that he could not find restoration without sitting and talking with God. This visual that I kind of get sometimes of prayer is like it's this place or this shelter you go to kind of take a nap with God. And what you need to know in this moment for Jesus is that prayer is a refuge. Prayer was his refuge. It is this uh, sacred, sheltered place we go where we can say, you know what, God? I am so tired I am spent. I am so exhausted. Can you please meet me here in this place? Can you please meet me here in the midst of this crazy? And can you please just start to give me my life back? And I'll tell you, if you have ever been in a season of crazy, like we are now, and you have tried praying this way, you know that in those moments, God brings everything that he is to help you recover your life in that moment. He does it, and he does it in a way that's supernatural, and he does it in a way that I don't understand, but he does it when we take the time to seek him and, and get away from the busy and, and find him in a quiet place. So prayer as refuge is one way that we typically approach prayer, and we are typically taught to approach prayer, okay? 
let me show you another way that we tend to approach prayer. Um, In Psalm 59, a guy named David is in some huge trouble. Uh, The king, a guy named Saul, wants to kill him. Um, These two guys have had conflict for years at this point in the story that we're going to look at. Um, Saul's been trying to kill him, but I have no idea why. But David thinks that they're good now. Like something has changed in their relationship and they're fine. So David shows up to, to work in the palace and Saul sees him and Saul is like, oh, prime opportunity. So Saul picks up a spear and throws it at his head and tries to kill him. Obviously they are not fine yet, right? Um, So David flees and he runs away and escapes and he decides to hide out and he makes a terrible move because David decides to hide out at his house. Now, you guys, don't you know that you never go hide out at your house, right? That's the first place they look. You, you hide out at a cheap motel, okay? Or you hide out on a tropical island, but you do not hide out at your house. So the Bible tells us that that night, Saul found out where he was, and he sends an army to kind of surround David's house. And they, he says, you know what? Watch the door, you guys. Watch the door. When David comes out, you need to kill him. But thank goodness for David's much smarter wife, because this is what she's doing. She's looking out the window, and she's like, "Uh, David, I see some guys out here. They are laying in wait for you. And she says, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Well, Psalm 59 tells us what David actually does. It tells us he prays. Let's look at it. It says, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie in wait for me? Powerful people conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine. I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. And Crosswinds, what I want you to see about prayer in this passage is that when the world is going wrong, not only is prayer a refuge, but prayer is also rescue. It is also rescue. Because if you are in the middle of a crazy, dangerous, risky situation, prayer is the thing that you can run to. You can run to it. If everything seems unstable and full of turmoil, prayer is the safe place. Right? It's the calm in the middle of the storm. It is the rock in the midst of sinking sand. The ability to cry out to God and ask for help makes all the difference in our world when our world is being turned upside down. And if you are someone who turns to prayer like this, when your life turns upside down, you know that this is true. So let me just stop right here, and I want to say this for a minute. In my opinion... I feel like we have never needed to pray more than we do right now. We need to be approaching prayer this way right now. We kind of just experienced this earlier in our service. Um, When we were praying together, prayer is refuge. I felt so sheltered when we were praying. Prayer is rescue. When tragedy strikes like it had struck this past week, and you or anyone else is dealing with unspeakable grief, or pain. You guys, sometimes prayer is all we have as people of faith. When we can't make sense of it, like Derek said, it is time to turn to God. And I'll tell you, and you're probably like me this past week, I cannot tell you how many times I just cried out to God, God, help us. God, save us. 
And you know what? The truth is, sometimes there aren't any words, Crosswind. Sometimes it's just tears, and it's just groaning. Well, when it all seems hopeless, or that things are falling apart, when we feel like we are hanging on by a thread, or maybe we are not hanging on at all, listen to me. These prayers are vital to our spiritual survival. They are vital to our spiritual survival. We cannot get through without prayer as refuge and prayer as rescue. These are the ones that kind of help us lean into God and help God lean into us to give us what we need in the moment to carry on and carry through. We cannot survive spiritually without prayer as refuge and prayer as rescue, okay? But here's what I want you to know. Even in the midst of unspeakable pain, tragedy, and craziness and loss, we still have a good God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We still have a good God who wants good things for us. And you have to know that this morning. That John 10.10, that passage we read earlier, it still applies. It applies in every situation in every circumstance, it always applies. And there is a way for us to get there, Crosswinds. There is a way for us to have this kind of life that God wants for us. And so what we need to understand this morning is that prayer isn't just the thing that helps us survive. Prayer is also the thing that helps us thrive. There is a kind of prayer out there that maybe we're not as familiar with that can not only help us survive what we are in, but it has the ability to pull us up out of survival mode into a life of spiritual vitality and excitement and joy. And the whole point of this series that we are entering into today is that prayer is not just about spiritual survival. Prayer is also about restoration. It's about restoration. It has the ability to... Um, pull you up out of surviving into thriving. It has the ability to add flavor and adventure to your life. It is the answer to bland, the bland that we were talking about earlier. It has the power to spice things up for you. But I have to tell you, the prayers that we're going to be asking you to pray over the next six weeks, they are a little bit risky. They're a little bit risky. And so here's why this series that we're starting today is so unique. We are going to teach you six prayers, six things to try praying that are really very risky. Maybe they're things that you've never heard of or thought of before. Or maybe they're things you never dreamed of praying before. Maybe they're prayers you've heard of, but you thought there is no way, absolutely no way that I would ever say that to God. But we're going to teach you six prayers, and then we are going to dare you. You get it? That's why I was calling the series I Dare You, right? We're going to dare you um, each week to pray that prayer over your life. And here's the thing. We fully, fully believe that if you dare to say these prayers, they will work to restore and recover your life, to put flavor and taste back into your relationship with God. Crosswinds, these are the kinds of prayers that will change your life in ways that you never thought possible. And so we wanted to take this season of, of entering into summer to teach you some things about prayer that maybe you never knew. And um, we wanted to challenge you to say thing, some things to God that I guarantee you many of us have never, ever said before. Um, and I want you to think about something for a second, okay, as we enter into this. 
We say that we believe in a God who loves us, who hears us, and who hangs on our every word. But do we also believe that if we say certain words to him, and we really believe what we're saying, then the words we pray to this very real God might make a very real difference? Do we really believe that? Well, I really want to dare you to find out. I want to dare you to find out. Now, as I say that, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, you know what? That sounds really great, but there is no way I am taking this dare. Okay, I'm not a prayer. I don't know how to pray. It feels like I'm talking to the air. I don't know how to know if I am doing it right. I'm not wired for it. I'm out. Well, I want to show you one more verse that I think is very important for our series. Um, Hebrews 11.6 says this. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I love that phrasing. He rewards those for, who earnestly seek him. And what that means, you guys, is that you don't have to know what you're doing when, you're, when you pray. You can be clumsy. You can be imperfect. You can be unsure of what to say. The only thing that God cares about and that requires of us is an earnest heart. And so our dare to you is going to be to say some things to God in the most genuine, earnest, and authentic way that you can, okay? And I think all of us can do that, all right? So here's what the next few months are going to uh, look like. Like I said, we're going to be teaching you a different prayer every week. We're going to be looking at that prayer in the Bible and kind of walking you through that, how we find that in Scripture. And then we are going to dare you to pray that prayer, that daring prayer, over your life. Now, I know that when we ask you to do risky things like this, sometimes it's hard. And so we have something that is going to help you along in this journey. We've actually written a prayer guide. And a picture of it is going to come up. A prayer guide for you that walks you through how to pray each one of these prayers throughout the week. And let me just tell you a little bit about it. These books are kind of like workbooks, okay, that you, you're going to walk through learning how to pray, and these workbooks are going to help you. So there's um, an instruction sheet in here that's going to tell you how to actually use the book. Um, each week there's a different chapter that's going to give you some more information about the prayer that you're learning about that week. There are also some study questions and journaling questions that come out of what you've just read. And then out of that, there's actually a really cool thing that we're doing. We're giving you a pre-written prayer that you can pray over your life for that week. And you get to pray that prayer every day. So let's just pause just for one second and talk about this pre-written prayer thing. Because <laughs> I just told you that what God requires of you is an, is an earnest heart. And now I'm telling you, you know what, you guys, don't really pray what you feel. Just pray this pre-written prayer that we've kind of written for you, okay? Just do that. So... Um, Here's the thing about it. Here's why we're giving it to you. I wonder if part of why we haven't done many of these risky kinds of prayers is because we've never been taught someone else's prayer. We've never been taught how to do it by modeling after someone else. Um, my son, Ernie, started guitar lessons right before the pandemic, and he had a couple of lessons and maybe learned three chords, right? So every song was three chords. And then the pandemic hit, and guess what? No more guitar lessons. Well, he didn't want to just play three chords. And so he started watching these YouTube videos of these guys playing guitar, playing cover songs on guitar, and he'd focus in really close on their hands, and he would just copy the chords. And you guys, after two years, we are now serenaded to sleep at night 
on an electric guitar at 11 p.m. We are listening to Daft Punk at 11 p.m. And Love and Happiness by Al Green and Blackbird by the Beatles at 11 o'clock on an electric guitar. But here's the thing. He didn't learn the chords because he wanted to learn what E minor sounded like. He learned them by playing someone else's songs. And in the same way, I think that we get to learn how to pray differently by using someone else's prayers as a template. And so we're going to give those to you to experiment with. And then when you're done experimenting with those, there is a spot in this booklet where you can actually try writing your own. Okay? So that's the booklet. But here's a really cool thing I'm excited about. You get to bring that booklet each week into your small group. And you get to start talking with each other about the things that God is doing in your life, the way he's changing you, the way he is affecting you, the, the miracles that are happening in your life. And if you're not in a small group right now, Crossins, let me tell you, get in one for this series, okay? You can go talk to Myra out at the Welcome Kiosk. You want to get in a small group, she will help you get into one. But get in one for this series, okay? The last thing for you to know about this series Everyone gets a booklet, okay? Don't stress about it. Everyone gets a booklet, but we're not just going to hand them out to you, okay? Here's what it takes to get one. You've got to be willing to take the dare. You have to be willing, all right? You have to commit. And so we gave you a card when you came in. Does everyone hold up your card for me that I take the dare? You got your cards? Here's what you're going to do with those. If you commit to taking the dare, you're going to go out to the courtyard and you're going to go to one of the kiosks. And as you exchange your card, you are signaling your commitment to take the dare. And as you hand in your card, they are going to give you a booklet. You don't have to give us your name or your contact information or put, you know, sign up for anything. You're just signifying your commitment. So afterwards, you go to the kiosk, exchange your card for a booklet, and you will be off and running. Okay. So crosswinds, that's what's happening the next several weeks. And honestly, uh, personally, I feel like we have never needed a series on prayer uh, than we do now. We need it. Um, because your life, your prayer life, your relationship with God, it does not have to exist in survival mode. There are conversations that God has been willing and waiting to have with you to lift you up out of that into a life that is thriving. And so the question I have for you this morning is why settle for a rice cake, you guys, when you could have Thanksgiving dinner? Why settle for a rice cake when you could have Thanksgiving dinner? I hope that you will take us up on the challenge to pray these life-changing prayers. I dare you. Let's stand together and pray. God, this morning has just been a roller coaster of emotion as we have processed so much about life and about things that have happened in the world. As, as we honor people who um, have served and we, we honor um, people who are retiring, um, God, we just, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. And God, you have called us to abundant life, abundant life. You have not just called us to um, survive. You have called us to thrive. Help us to be bold and brave and daring as we take this challenge. And I pray that you would continually uh, bless this church and our church community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming, you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.